The Royals reunited with a guy that pitched for them over 10 years ago. Did we like the move? I'll tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Also, follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Easy to find us there at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. And to find this podcast, very, very easy on wherever you listen to all your podcasts. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and you can catch us on YouTube. Those subscriber numbers are starting to go up and up and up, and we always love that, seeing the feedback from you guys, seeing the support. Our goal is still to get to 700 by Christmas Day, which is a long way from where we came from coming back at the end of June when I took over the podcast. We've added over over 300 subscribers since that point, and our goal is still of getting to 1,000 by opening day 2,000. And 24. So if you've already subscribed, send it to somebody who hasn't, and we can keep this train rolling. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, at least here in Kansas City. It's been a rough couple of weeks with the Chiefs kind of uh, sliding back in, in the AFC playoff picture, uh, the AFC West divisional lead dwindling down to one game uh, over the Denver Broncos. But that doesn't mean if your team is losing that you should lose out on not using FanDuel. There are plenty of things you can still win, things to bet on, and we're going to talk about them coming up in about 10 minutes or so. If this is your first episode ever tuning in, we always welcome in new listeners, and I'm nothing special, just uh, another Royals fan, as I'm sure you are tuning into some off-season content. I do work in the sports world. I work at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I got a show once a week over there, actually tomorrow night, 7 to 10, I will be on air, and then Monday through Friday on ESPN Kansas City, I got a show 10 to 11. So if you want to ever check me out over there on things that may not always pertain to Royals baseball, you can find me very easily on both of those outlets. But when you click on this podcast, you know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball. Now, we touched on this a little bit on Friday of the programming moving forward until about spring training. So for the next oh two and a half months or so, uh, we will be doing three podcast episodes a week. Uh, that's mainly to just get a little bit of downtime, some rest before the season ramps back up again. Uh, we hope that you still you know, tune in every single podcast episode that we have. But I also know that in the offseason, some news dies down a little bit. Not much goes on in January. But we're fortunate enough that right now uh, the Royals have been league-wide as talked about as anybody out there. And I think in large part to knowing they need to add to their rotation, knowing they need to add to their bullpen. And they've been linked to just about every guy we've talked about, which is a good thing. And I know there's people out there that are going to say, well, talk to whoever you want to. It doesn't mean anything unless you actually sign that player. But I will say for national reporters, to say over and over again, the Royals are linked to this guy and this guy. They're talking to this guy. They're aggressively pursuing. They wouldn't report that if it was just a phone call. I mean, just think about it a little bit. 
if the Royals called in, heard the price of, let's say, Marcus Stroman, who we're going to talk about in today's show, and Marcus Stroman gave them a price they couldn't match, they're not tweeting that out. They're not reporting that on MLB Network that the Royals and Marcus Stroman have been engaged in talks or at least been interested. They they don't do that. That's a waste of time. So to me, I think the Royals have seriously been in contention for all these guys they're having conversations with. Um, I think they were in on Eduardo Rodriguez. I think they were in for the most part on Sonny Gray. And then they turn their attention now to Seth Lugo, to Marcus Stroman, to Lucas Giolito. Now we got word today that, or I think it was late last night, that the Royals have had talks with Michael Walker, with Jack Flaherty. So every guy, really, that the top guys left, the Royals have gone out there and started you know, trying to make something happen. But they did make something happen on Sunday, and that was adding to their bullpen in a former Royal, Will Smith, who spent last year with the Texas Rangers, has been to the World Series and won it the last three years. So the jokes are swirling that, hey, that now means the Royals are going to win the World Series in 2024. But on a serious note, uh, this was a very, very good move for the bullpen. One, because you bring a guy in with closing experience. That was something they just didn't have on their active roster after Scott Barlow left. So not to say, you know, Will Smith is the ninth inning guy you just throw out there. I think there are still moves to be made, and I think there are matchups to to look at as to who you give the ninth inning. But you need somebody out there who has closed out games before, and Will Smith has done that not only at a high level. He's done that in the postseason, and he's done it pretty successfully. I mean, last year for Texas, a team that went on to win the World Series, he had 22 saves for the Rangers. So that is important to note. And the Royals looked at it and said, hey, uh, this is somebody that can really bolster our bullpen. I've loved the moves they've done to get Nick Anderson for the bullpen and Will Smith because I think Royals Weekly on Twitter said it best. You're raising the floor of this bullpen. And that, to me, is a very important factor of this offseason, right? Having a stable bullpen is so important, and especially early on. I feel like last year the Royals just fell so quickly out of contention. Yes, because the offense struggled, but you couldn't rely on the bullpen to do anything. You couldn't rely on the bullpen to hold down a four-run lead late in the game. Now they're bringing in guys that can be your consistent arms of, hey, it's a two-run game in the eighth on the road. Give the ball to Will Smith. He can get you out of it. And I think last year, the Royals really relied on a lot of young guys who hadn't been in those spots before. Also, though, about being in an evaluation year. When you're in an evaluation year, they needed to see who could get out. By the end of the year, you know, Carlos Hernandez was no longer that guy. We're going to discuss him in the final segment of the show today. But James MacArthur emerged. You know, John McMillan, uh, in the limited time he had at the big league level, you know, he was somebody that kind of showed, I can handle a role like this. They even gave Steven Cruz some high leverage roles. You know, they gave Colin Snyder, who was DFA to make room for Will Smith, but they were giving young guys chances. This year, I think they want to very much level out this bullpen. It's not a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you go out there and you bring in two guys that have been great relievers at one point in time. Now, for the price you got him at, there's a reason you did. All right. It's not like Will Smith is one of the best closers in baseball. He's not. But he's a good left-handed pitcher that gets a lot of swing and miss. He relies on that slider heavily. Throws it more than 50% of the time. And, you know, Nick Anderson, kind of throw him in the same boat. 
he was affordable because Atlanta wants to spend more and he's coming off an injury and they don't believe that he was going to be a good fit. So the Royals jumped on that. But those are two guys that I think are really going to log up some, some high leverage ending some high leverage roles for the Royals coming up in 2024. But this was a good move. Uh, this was a good move for the bullpen. And I still think there's about two more spots to be had by pitchers in free agency. I mean, one name I keep going back to over and over again. It's already been rumored out there and swirling. And I just really think more than rumors, it makes so much sense. And that's Ryan Stanek of the Houston Astros, or at least pitch for the Houston Astros, pitch for the Marlins, pitch for the Rays. Local kid, pitched at Blue Valley High years ago, went to Arkansas. Power, power fastball. And he's coming off a year in which he walked the least amount of guys per nine in his entire career. Now the velo down just a tick, you know, he's still hitting 98, 99, but not as frequently hitting triple digits. Uh, the swing and miss is still there, but not as high as it once was, you know, a couple of years back with Tampa, but you pair him in this bullpen. I mean, I love having Will Smith turning it over to somebody. And if Will Smith needs to close out games, I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat going, Oh boy, can he even get out? Number one did that a lot last year. Now, James MacArthur kind of took that role and ran with it in September, but that's September. That's not April. Okay, as good as James MacArthur was, I got to see it to begin the year. I got to make sure that you can do it when the season does matter that early on in the year. If you can close out games when you're, you know, 50 games under 500, it's good because you're playing for something, but not a lot of guys are playing for something when you lose 106 games. You know, Will Smith has been a closer in High leverage roles for competitive teams, World Series teams. He's been put out there. And I think that's what J.J. Bacolo saw in him. That's what this front office saw. You know, and I, I think that was a, a perfect move. And you know what? I do want to throw his name out there again. You know, Brian Bridges, who was a scouting director for Atlanta and spent time in the scouting department with the Giants. You know where Will Smith played for the last couple of years? He was in Atlanta. He was with the Giants for a point in time. So it was years ago, but I almost wonder if that name was pushed a little extra harder for a guy like Brian Bridges because uh, he had known Will Smith in both of those areas, both of those, those time periods of different clubs. But it's a good piece for this bullpen. It's starting to shape out a little bit more. I like the six they have in there, and I only think that they can get better with two more additions, hoping that can be through free agency, but – We'll see what J.J. Bacola and company have in store. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's talk about this starting rotation and the market that is being set out there. The Royals are talking to just about everybody, but maybe the biggest name left they have been linked to in Marcus Stroman. Do we buy it? Do we think it's harmless? Well, we'll tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and you can give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Also, be sure to give us a follow on TikTok and on Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 and bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, my head's been spinning for the last week and a half. 
with all the reports coming out that the Royals are linked to Seth Lugo and Giolito and Stroman and Flaherty and Waka. And it was really something that I hadn't seen in my lifetime in my fandom with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, even when they were winning, you know, when they were getting, you know, 90 win seasons, high 80 win seasons in the 13, 14, and 15 golden years, they weren't linked to this many guys. They weren't talking to this many guys. Now, there is a certain way you can look at this. This is a different era of baseball, and it's a different guy. You know, calling the shots, if you will, in the front office and J.J. Piccolo, even though he was the right-hand man for Dayton Moore for years, it's a different guy. And we have seen in this offseason, the Royals are very open and very public about what their plan is. And you just have to go back to the season and review press conference. J.J. Piccolo said how many games they are shooting to win. They didn't, you know, say, well, this is a a 90-win team. This, this is a team that's going to go out there and compete really hard. You know, he's very honest. He said their goal is to win 80 to 85 games and, you know, be in it all season long and give themselves a chance to compete in the AL Central, which 80 to 85 wins would do that. So that's a realistic goal they were setting for themselves. You know, it's not like they went out there and said, you know, we're going to compete for a division and then not make any moves. They've pigeonholed themselves a little bit, and I'll explain why here. And it's a really good thing for this baseball club. It's a very good thing for the fans. So what J.J. Piccolo has done, he has put a win total out there, 80 to 85 games. He has put the minimum, and some people have told me, oh, come on now, that's the maximum. If you're believing they're going to go over that, you're foolish. I'm just saying it's possible. It's possible. I, and, and now it's still going to make moves. But with some of these arms out there they're interested in and what J.J. Bacola has been saying, it wouldn't shock me. This feels like a much different offseason than in previous years. I think there's a little bit more urgency. I think they know with the lottery system, there's no reason to tank again. There's no need to evaluate again. You need to build a winner. And if you win 76 games, okay, you fall a little bit short of your threshold, you could be like Cleveland and get the number one overall pick next year. And if you lose 120, there's no guarantee you're getting the number one overall pick. So that's why I think there's more urgency. So you have the win total. You've got the minimum amount they want to add to the payroll and $30 million. And then it's been publicly addressed by multiple national writers, Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, Mark Feinstein, John Morosi, that the Royals are actively talking to free agents like Stroman, like Giolito, like Lugo. I mean, Rosenthal reported the Royals were aggressively pursuing Seth Lugo. And then last night we find out Jack Flaherty and Michael Walker are in the mix. And when you pigeonhole yourself, all right, so now there's these list of guys out here. Like, I know that on the podcast on Friday, I think it was, I said, you know, I'm locking in Seth Lugo. Like, that was my projection. I said it wouldn't shock me in the coming days if he's a Royal. And then we get reports come out that Seth Lugo wants a third year. It changes my opinion a little bit. So, yeah, I may shoot my shot a couple of times. I'm still going to stand by it here. I'm not going to walk away from it. But my opinion and my, my thoughts have changed on it a little bit just because it feels so wide open. But when you pigeonhole yourself in this, you are talking to all these guys, right? You've said the minimum you're going to spend. You've said this win total. It almost feels like it's a guarantee at this point one of those five arms is going to be in Kansas City, especially since they've already struck out a handful of times. You missed on Gray. You missed on Erod. You missed on Tyler O'Neill. 
you missed on Mark Cannon. Like eventually, as I said last week, the domino is going to fall. One of these guys, they're going to be able to convince. Now, is Marcus Stroman the best fit? I do believe Marcus Stroman is the perfect guy for the rotation. I really do. It's just going to be a little bit of an overpay. But all starting pitchers, I think in free agency, get overpaid a little bit. I mean, if you were out there thinking that every pitcher is, you know, undervalued, oh, you can get this guy for 10 or 12 million, don't give him 20 million. Starting pitchers are overpaid. The only pitchers that are underpaid are guys that are on rookie contracts. Like Cole Reagans is severely underpaid. But once he hits the market, somebody, and hopefully it's the Royals, will spend money to keep him here. We'll overpay a little bit. Pitching is always about being competitive in the market, and you're going to have to stick your neck out a little bit. And for Stroman, I think the hope is you get his market value down to about 17 or 18 million, but I'm sure he's shooting high right now at about 20. And the Royals want to bring that down, maybe not have a, a four or five year deal, hopefully a three year deal, but he's a guy that you pencil in as the opening day starter. I mean, that is an absolute bulldog as a number one. And I get it. He struggled on the back half of the schedule. But you have a former gold glover. You have a two-time All-Star. You have a WBC champ. He's pitched for two WBC teams, Team USA when they won it in 17, and then most recently with Puerto Rico. He is a fiery guy. Uh, he is a guy that is easy to root for. He just is the, the personality, the flair you need in the locker room, especially when you have a lot of quiet guys. I mean, go in the rotation right now. Cole Reagans, very quiet, uh, very mild-mannered on the mound. Brady Singer, very mild-mannered out there. Jordan Lyles, Jordan Lyles is very quiet, mild-mannered. Marcus Stroman's the flair, man. Marcus Stroman is a guy that pounds his chest when he gets a big out. He fit Chicago so perfectly. He was fun to watch in Toronto. With the Mets, I don't think it went the same as people had expected. But in Kansas City, I mean, there's people who are going to say, why would he sign with Kansas City? There are very good aspects of Kansas City. And I'm not saying that because I'm the host of this podcast. I go to a lot of games. I've covered this team. I have watched other podcasts and I have watched other players, you know, talk about their favorite stadiums. And I'll, I'll never forget watching Mookie Betts in his podcast saying Kansas City was, I believe, his favorite place to go and travel and play. And Kansas City, you know, has a, an affordable market to live in. You know, I've lived here my entire life, live in different, different areas, you know, live down by the plaza. It can be a little bit more expensive, but for a multi-million dollar pitcher, not really an issue. You know, the food is great. The barbecue is a draw. Now, these are just little things here. Now, for the baseball club, you're going, why does a, a free agent pitcher say, yeah, I'm going to a 106-loss Royals team? Well, I mean, you look at the Royals and what they have around them right now. Okay, I would say they've got the best defensive left side, infield that is. I know it's very specific, but in the American League. Bobby Wood Jr., Michael Garcia, both top 15 and outs above average. Okay, Michael Massey, no slouch either. He had three outs above average. Center field, you may not like Kyle Isbell's bat. He had 10 outs above average in center field. You know, I think Vinny Pasquantino can lock it down over at the hot corner at first. 
I still think they're in the market to find a starter for right field. And if they keep Melendez out there, yeah, it's a work in progress, but there's a lot of great defenders on that team. And another thing that's pointed out, this is by Royals Review earlier today, Marcus Stroman had a 53% ground ball rate last year. That is perfect for an elite defensive infield. So if I'm Stroman, I sign a big-time deal, all right? I am the number one. I get paid what I think I deserve, and I'm the number one. I'm the opening day starter. I'm wearing those powder blue unis on opening day against the Minnesota Twins. People treat me as the number one. I'm the workhorse. I'm not going to Philly or Atlanta where I'm not going to be a number one, and I might not get paid like a number one. But you can be a part of this I'm not going to say rebuild culture, but a young culture. I think the rebuild is actually past them. I think they are trying to bypass a few steps here in a good way because the lottery has just messed up everything. But you have a great defense. You really do. You've got a multiple-time all-star catching you. I know Salvador Perez doesn't have great defensive metrics, but it's an honor, I would say, for pitchers to throw to a guy who has had that much success. You know, a guy's the face of the franchise. I think there's some there's some pull there. And Kauffman Stadium, I know some numbers will say, oh, it's actually a hitter's ballpark. Kauffman Stadium is a pitcher's ballpark. It's massive. It's not like a short porch at Minute Maid or Yankee Stadium. Okay, if you are a pitcher, you love pitching with a great defense behind you and using Kauffman Stadium with the big gaps. There's so much space. And Marcus Stroman, I mean, if they can get that in the right price range, you know, like a three-year, let's say a $54 million deal, Man, I'd, I'd pull the trigger because he is a true number one I think you need in Kansas City. I mean, he is probably the top of my wish list. Do I think it's the most plausible? Do I think it's the most likely? No. But if he got down to that price range, I think I am pulling the trigger. I love Marcus Stroman. I've always loved watching him pitch. And we'll see just how engaged the Royals stay with him throughout these free agent talks. All right, before we move on to our final segment, one shout out we want to give here to Locked On Sports today. And it's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. When we come back, I need to put up a wall, a barrier here on Carlos Hernandez because I'm a supporter. I think he bounces back, and I'm going to tell you a big reason why he bounces back in 2024 next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. And you give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Well, I wanted to wrap up this free agent heavy show and going over Will Smith and going over Marcus Stroman and talking about a guy who's already on the team and is who is going to be on the opening day roster, assuming he's healthy. And that's Carlos Hernandez. Now, I had some people comment to me uh, on, on Twitter and on YouTube, which you can always reach me there on both of those platforms, and on Instagram and TikTok, for that matter. Uh, I do run those accounts, so if you ever want to shoot me a question over there, I'll try my best to really expand uh, you know, my time and energy to all of them, and not just Twitter, uh, where I do the majority of my, my coverage and tweeting, of course, of the Kansas City Royals. But I had a lot of people on Twitter tell me, you know, Carlos Hernandez is a guy I'm not putting as a lock in the bullpen. And get rid of Carlos Hernandez. He's had his shot. I'm ready to move on from him. And it did make me a little bit surprised. I think my eyebrows are raised a little bit and going, man, I mean, of the options out there, 
you know, yes, you could go through free agency and add three more guys and, you know, kick Carlos Hernandez to the curb. But I really do believe that there were a few factors why we saw Carlos Hernandez turn into a completely different pitcher on in the second half of 2023. Carlos Hernandez was this team's best pitcher. Best pitcher in this little time frame. So it's going to sound specific and maybe doesn't help my argument that much. But before Cole Reagans got there and after Aroldis Chapman left, so in that trade, but a little bit after that trade happened, because remember Cole Reagans was down in AAA. He made one start that went back down to AAA. He was the Royals' best pitcher. Like, I, I don't think it was that close either. Now, the bar was not high. It wasn't high at all. But you had a guy that was top 15 in baseball and stuff plus. I mean, he's throwing, you know, 100, 101. Had this wipeout slider, a really good change. He was used as an opener. He was used as a fireman guy, multiple innings, or just lock it down in the eighth. And Scott Barlow was the closer. And once Scott Barlow got traded, and of course, Reagans comes in and Reagans becomes the best pitcher of the staff. It went downhill for him because I just think it's very simple sometimes in the mind of a pitcher. There are guys that are closers. There are guys that are not. There is a certain tick you have. I think there's a certain chemical in your brain that you can go into spots and just not be nervous whatsoever. Because I do think closers are psychos. Uh, psychos in a good way. To handle pressure like that, the game's on the line. People have been there for two and a half hours, and the game falls on your shoulders. That's immense pressure. Now, that's why we give praise to Will Smith for doing it in the World Series three straight times. Like, to pitch in moments like that, it's important. But not everybody has it. Not everybody has that killer instinct. And I do think Carlos Hernandez was so comfortable in the role that he had. I mean, his ERA was like 3.57, striking out a lot of guys. His walk rate was was a career low. Like, things were looking up. Like, to me, that was Brian Sweeney's best success story of 2023. And then the tailspin happened. So, one, I don't think he was a closer. I think that the Royals kind of by default had to put him there because he was the best arm. Oh, if you have a lead, let's turn to Hernandez. And then, once he struggled... He no longer had a set role. It was, well, this seventh inning guy, and then maybe the sixth inning, then the eighth inning. You know, there just wasn't a true fit. And I believe it all went wrong for him on that night at Fenway Park where Vic Carapaza had that atrocious no swing that would have gotten the Royals out of the inning. And then I think it was Luis Arias has the grand slam. Was it Arias? No, it was Pablo Reyes. I think it's who it was. He hits the grand slam over the green monster. And I think that mentally broke Carlos Hernandez because it was another game that he had struggled and his stuff looked electric on that night, but a guy turns on 101 on the inside corner. Like that, it just went in a spiral after that. And then the other factor I have here is that I think the workload was a lot. So you're not having a defined role. You're not great in a closer's role. And then I think the workload became too much in the end. I think he is a perfect sixth, seventh inning guy to bridge the gap. And I think you give him that role. And if you do want to get creative and throw him in a different role, 
I think him being an opener for somebody is perfect. Uh, if Jordan Lyles stays on this roster, which I'm still going to say no for now, we closer we get to spring training, he's still here. Maybe I can stomach it with him as the number five. And if the Royals go add two free agent pitchers or add a true number one and they go trade for another great pitcher as their four, you have Singer and Reagans sandwiched in between them. And Jordan Lyles is the five. I think he'll be better than what he was last year. But again, using the, the bar comparison here, bar's very low. Okay, bar is incredibly low. But let's say they use Carlos Hernandez as his opener. No, you get Hernandez for two innings and then throw it to Lyles for four. Maybe you're cooking with something there. But I think you have to cement him into a role. He's somebody that has too good of stuff to give up on. And for the first time in his career last year, he was accurate. He was throwing strikes. He wasn't walking the house. And that's important to me. I think if he gets a defined role, he's not a closer. He's not a late eighth inning guy. He doesn't need to be a setup guy. I think you have a great spot for him. I mean, do you really want to give up on a guy that throws 100 plus with a wipeout slider? I mean, come on now. I mean, you have John McMillan's going to be in this road, this bullpen, excuse me, and you want to have that in there. I don't think you give up on a guy like that, especially with years of control. He's young. He's a guy that made a big jump, too. Now, I know he's been in the bigs basically since, what was it, 2019? Maybe it was the COVID year he got his first chance. So it's been three or so years in the bigs. But bullpen guys can be so hit and miss. And I'm just, I'm not going into spring training saying he's got to fight for a spot. I think his stuff is going to be really good. I think it's going to be electric. And I think if you can really put him into one specific role, he will thrive again. You will see that first half Carlos Hernandez again. And if there's better arms out there to shut things down in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, he can kind of stand in the background a little bit. And then if the Royals are rolling with this bullpen, no, he's going to be that guy in the sixth inning that teams are going, who is this guy? Right now, I'm sure Carlos Hernandez caught the attention of some teams around the league, but not everybody. You know, we go play a National League team. I got to go back and look at the schedule of who they'll actually run into this year. But there's going to be somebody on the National League side that's like, who is this guy? That's throwing 101 on the outside corner. And then he'll dial up a circle change down in my back foot if I'm a righty. I think there's still something there. It's not something I'm willing to give up on yet. And, and maybe I'm too much of an optimist, but stuff's too good, man. Stuff's too good. And I think that we overreacted just a little bit to a really bad end to what was otherwise a great start to 2023. So I'm not giving up on Carlos Hernandez, and I don't think you should either. Well, that is going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Always be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ15. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. And find our podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. We also stream on YouTube. Just be sure to go and subscribe. Before we say goodbye, one last shout out to Locked On Sports today. And it's here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts at Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, since we'll only have two more podcast episodes to go throughout the week, Going to be a little bit of a, a TBD for now of what we're going to dive into. Maybe we're talking about Marcus Stroman or Lucas Giolito joining the Royals rotation. Maybe we'll be going through some more projections, or maybe they had a corner outfield bat. But for now, 
little bit up in the air. But if nothing happens, we'll still be diving into plenty of more free agent talk and maybe how this lineup is shaking out. Now, is this lineup going to add any more pieces or is it all but set? But until next time, you take it easy, Kansas City.